0: everyone and welcome to the geek Rant, episode 310 miles from miles recorded November 12th 2017 and brought to you by element Opie productions element welcome back ladies and gentlemen to drive time radio for geeks I am your host mark the Sultan of the soapbox Cockroll. and joining me this week is is just one but he's all we need he is Seth the gooey kid Anderson hey Seth how you doing Hey Mark, I'm doing great, and how is everyone in Element Opieville?
1: Hopefully, you're doing well as well.
0: Let's just wait for all five thousand of them to respond. Shouldn't take long. <laughs> no, actually, as hard as it is to get feedback around here, it could take months. Uh, but I will say, <laughs> uh, I have been stockpiling your feedback in the way that a squirrel stockpiles acorns, and uh, our next show will be a listener feedback show. So get get your get your Woo-hoo! emails and and voicemails in now if you want to be heard miles is uh somewhere over your, over fiji right now he's flying back from australia to the u.s and um, the slacker was unwilling to do the show from thirty thousand feet at a cost of eight dollars a minute i don't know why but uh you know we'll have a, a strong talking to uh with him about that when he gets back so fly safe miles we'll see you next in a couple of weeks actually um so, yeah, a little bit of programming. I won't be able to be here next week. So unless Miles and Seth are willing to do the show without me, which they could do, they could fire up their own hangout and, and record it and do it. But every time I offer that, they say, no, let's take the week off. Uh, I have a, another engagement a church thing that I can't, uh, well, I, I started to say I can't get out of, I don't want to get out of. Uh, so I won't be here next week, uh, but we will be, we'll be back in two weeks. So there, got that out of the way. Seth, what's going on in your world?
1: Oh, not a lot. Um, I had this, uh, I still don't know how, but somehow I ended up at a job interview at this company. I I, I looked, I haven't, I didn't apply for a job, but <laughs> so I thought, and it was a product support job, but their product support meant marketing and sales. And so I was like, well, I'm here anyway, let's go ahead and interview. And wouldn't you know, I didn't make round two of the interview. So <laughs> Like I say, I still don't know how. I mean, I've got the hey, we found your resume, uh, you know, kind of junk, and but this wasn't. It was weird, but you know, went up for the interview, washed my clothes, had a tie, wore a tie, and everything.
0: Wow, that must have been serious. It was
1: because you know you were supposed to dress professional. And I was like, uh, I don't own a suit, and they said that's okay. And I mean, I was as professional as everyone else who was there. So,
0: but. Not something that you were interested in, anyway, or what?
1: I mean, you know, it, it would have been cool because you know, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost to the point of McDonald's or Taco Bell. Um, so, any, anything, and you know, as much as I enjoy tinkering around with computers, if, if something else comes up, and I keep trying to think what else would I do, but nothing comes to mind. So, but if something else comes up, you know try something new in life while I'm still not too old to try it.
0: Microsoft certified systems professional here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in within driving range of either the Dallas or the Oklahoma city metro areas. Um, you should hire this man.
1: Yeah, not Oklahoma city. <laughs> I, I wouldn't drive there. <laughs> that would be a heck of a round trip.
0: Well, I mean, they'd have to pay you enough, but it could be worth it. Oh yeah. Um, so I caught up with Seth uh, last night, and I saw Thor Ragnarok uh, myself. Uh, took took the wife, didn't take my daughter, much to her chagrin. Uh, but it, we <laughs> we could we could only get because of some other stuff that we had done earlier in the day. We could only get a seven forty five show, and I just wasn't going to have my child out uh, till ten thirty on the night before we have to get up early and and go to church. And I'm sure she would have been fine with that, but I wasn't fine with that because I have to deal with her when she's sleep deprived. Uh, so she, how dare you be a parent. She she says that sort of stuff all the time. I'll be fine. I don't mind. Yeah, but I have to deal with you and I know what a bear you are when you haven't slept. So anyway, she was really wanting to see it and I will definitely have to take her. Um, I, I, somebody asked me today, was it a good movie? And, and I, I can't really say it was a good movie. It wasn't a good movie. It was a very enjoyable experience. Um, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad I did it. I'll be happy to watch it again and again. Um, but you have to turn your brain off because there's some plot holes big enough you could drive the Hulk through uh, in, in that movie. Um, and the, the plot really doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of act one is some stuff happens and act two is some stuff that's kind of related to act one happens. And in act three doesn't relate in any way to acts one or two. But it's all fun and exciting. Um, not a good movie, but very much an enjoyable movie. And I'm happy to to watch it again.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I um man, I I don't know. We can't really get into spoilers yet because it's only been out a couple of weeks, but there were so many things that happened that were just like, oh, we're just gonna say this happened and who cares what's happened in the other movies and any emotional attachment you may have had. Okay, that's done. <laughs> Smile away, boys. So I mean that's about as and from that sense not good you know bad form yeah but it was but still very enjoyable very funny
0: and uh, if there was really only three maybe five lines of dialogue in throughout the entire two hour and ten minute movie that tied it to the the marvel universe at large um right. and in fact had they not had that you could totally have called this alternate reality uh, stuff so the MCU for what 15 movies now something like that has been very careful to make everything tightly interrelated and this one was uh, really like Guardians of the Galaxy um, on its own kind of thing um, and again I, I'm, not, I'm not mad at it about that uh, it was still super enjoyable it was by far the funniest Marvel movie and it was funny without being silly which is that's a difficult uh, line to walk um, but you're laughing um uh, pretty consistently throughout the film uh, to the point where there's almost no emotional um, tension because there's a joke every two minutes um but it's okay I don't mind it's a comedy essentially this is a comedy uh, adventure it's uh it's a you know uh, uh, 24 hours with uh, Nick Nolte and, and Eddie Murphy more than it is you know a gritty crime drama um yeah it, it's a road movie with being and Bob basically. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 uh, that's well said, and it's uh, the chemistry between Hulk and Thor is great. Um, you know, the digital animation keeps making leaps and bounds forward. There were only a few times when I went, "Oh, that's digital," and 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 this is a movie where Hulk is on screen like sixty-seven, sixty or seventy minutes out of the film, uh, and not at any point did I go, "Well, that looks fake." Well, no, nah, that's not true. There were only a couple of times. Um, there was one, like three scenes that I can think of. Where uh, one, this is a complete non-spoiler, but at one point Thor walks into this um, environment where um, stuff is splashing down and shooting up all around him. And, 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 and there's this one scene in particular that I'm sure they did it specifically for the 3D. I didn't watch it in 3D where this shower of liquid splashes up in front of him and down behind him. And yet he doesn't get a single drop on him and at that point i'm you know it's like bad form continuity people you had the you the digital stuff looked great it really looked like there was a big shower of liquid all over him except He should have had at least a drop on him, but you missed that because he was on set with his green screen and nobody thought to put that in. So there were a few things like that where the continuity betrayed them, but uh, for the most part, the digital effects held up. There were a few times when, you know, dude exploded in a way that dude wouldn't explode, Uh, but other than that, it was fine. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go with that. I mean because you know, we all know how dudes explode in real life. <laughs> well, I mean, we know what physics we know what meat looks like. That's what that's what all bothers right. me is uh going all the way back to the the uh the first Spider Man uh reboot where he moved quickly, but it was so quickly that it didn't look right. He he you know, that's the that's the trick the trick about uh, digital um, um, artistry in general. Is that our minds intuitively know what this world that we've been living in looks like? You know, I'm 45 years old. For 45 years old, I have been processing movement and and uh, reactions and stuff intuitively. I don't think about that. But when I see that it's not right, my brain says, "Oh, that's not right. There's something foreign about that, and it stands out." And so, um, you know, there's there's times like that where you know a guy throws a punch. You know, you've seen people throw punches in your life. You know what that looks like. And if they just get it a little bit wrong, it sticks out as a whole lot wrong. So the same thing. I've never seen a human being explode. Thank God I've never seen that. I'm sure there are listeners in my audience who have seen that. But I have seen, you know, chunks of meat flown in directions, and it didn't look like that.
1: Right. But yeah, stuff is getting like I remember the the second Matrix fan film oh. when they have when they have Mr. Smith uh, attempting to jump between cars and it just it looked so fake and really it it looked as great as the Matrix was, the fan films really didn't have the budget to uh, continue that same level of you know digital artistry because it looked really bad, like nineties programming bad almost. But you know, it's it, the Spider-Man you talked about was not that level. It was a, it was a step up, so it's getting better and better so the gap is shrinking between digital and special and there's certain times where they put so much effort into it i remember um they were talking about pearl harbor and they were showing these side-by-side frames of a bomb being dropped and a digital creation of a bomb being dropped and they're like which one's real and you go it's a mirror shot (laughs) um and you know and it was like whenever you couldn't tell which you couldn't tell a difference they were like then you know we did our job so
0: yeah it's it's just that uncanny valley that you're that we're in right now we're so good it is so perfect that anything that a little less than perfect makes you go oh well, yeah that stood out um and backdrops and things like that you know uh the civil war uh that entire scene at the airport there was no airport they went to an airport and they took pictures but none of the actors actually visited that airport Yeah, I wouldn't know that had I not read that in an article online uh, because the backdrop is fine. It doesn't move. There's no physics. There's no motion. It's easy to fool your mind. But when you get to movement, um, we just intuitively know what that looks like, and they just haven't gotten there yet. I don't know that they ever will. Um, In a movie like, say, Avatar, where everything is artificial, it's much more believable. Uh, it 's when you try to right. blend the the synthetic and the 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 organic that it gets difficult, and that 's my segue uh to cars three I watched that this weekend um of course, everything in that is synthetic, but there are times when I had to remind myself i wasn 't watching an auto race the the visuals are so good, but again they 're not wow. humans they're they're they 're cars and so you know there's there 's these backdrops that they have drawn uh there 's uh, a couple of scenes that take place on a dirt track and when they're not playing it for campy Pixar stuff that when they, when they take those scenes where uh, you know, the virtual camera is sitting on the track and the cars fly over it and the, the pebbles of, of rubber fly uh, skid across the track, they have gotten so good at that, that there were a couple of times I was like, wow, that looks re- Oh, well, that's not real. Um, cause it was just so good. So it, it, it was really, um, an amazing visual film i don't think the story was as strong as the first one and the second one we i mean we don't even need to talk about that one uh,
1: you know i have never uh ventured into uh, the cars universe unless you know there's some of the fan theories that try to connect all the pixar stuff but i've never seen the cars yeah,
0: i love me some cars uh when the first one came out my oldest child was three maybe four so we were right in that sweet spot where it was on the, in the dvd player on a loop Um, but it's a really good story. Pixar, that has been the strength of Pixar since toy story is they know how to tell a story. And, um, they, as they have branched out over the last few years, they're losing some of that. Some of the, those, uh, those, uh, um, those original guys, have retired, or uh, you know, Lassiter, for example, has moved on. He's executive directing anymore, and he's he's doing other stuff. He's he's not really uh, directly involved with stories. So the stories have really taken uh, um, a beating, uh, and 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 that's you know, in an animated film like that, that that's they've got to pull at your heartstrings. So Cars Three was not as good a story as Cars, but it was good enough. And my my youngest child, nine. Was adamantly opposed to watching it. Just wasn't interested um, because she remembered the fiasco that was Cars 2. Um, (laughs) But I made her sit down and watch it. Like I, I I bought it on Google Play. It's like I paid twenty bucks for this. We're gonna watch this, and this is family night. Dang it! You're gonna enjoy your family or else. Um, But you know, uh, 45 minutes into it, she was totally hooked. So uh, there is. It was that good to do that. So Cars 3 is a solid family film. Um, it's predictable. Cool. Um, you, you, could read the cover on the back of the DVD and know the entire story. There's no surprises, you know, at the minute character a is, is brought into the, uh, the scene. You're like, Oh, okay. I see where that's going. And when character B comes in, okay. So he's, he's this guy, but, uh, you know, that doesn't, it's for children, right? So that you can't really do a whole lot of subtlety. Uh, but yeah, enjoyable. So Thor cars three, those are my two things that I, that I watched this week. Cool.
1: So I want to know, are there any Dragon Ball fans in the Geek Rant universe? Um, I've been watching the show on Crunchyroll and just curious, you guys Dragon Ball fans or is that just one of those stupid Japanese animated shows that, you know, weird geeks watch? But with a name like Geek Rant, I thought, are you out there? Let me know. Um, Because... You know, I don't talk about it a lot because Mark is not a big fan and Miles isn't a big fan, but if there's, if they, if we get some listener feedback, then I'll start mentioning it a little bit here and there.
0: Yeah. I would have to go to Wikipedia and look up Dragon Ball to even have a conversation with you about it, but I'm happy to listen to you, you know, because we're geeks and, and if it's important to you, it's important to me.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like, like I say, is, is it, is it out there because I don't want to, I mean. i i I talk to myself all the time you know i don't i don't need a i don't need a a podcast with two other hosts to do that so let me know fans um listeners are are you into ultra instinct gohan or goku or not so sorry that's all i got mark you're back up
0: um okay i guess we're done um that was quick. Uh thanks folks. It's been a good show. No. Uh, <laughs> um it, you you sort of swerved into something here that a little advice uh sage advice from the the elder the gray beard. It's getting gray. It's graying beard. Um you know I I kind of mockingly I uh, jokingly said, if it's important to Sath, I, 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 it's important to me, I'll listen to it. Um, you need to, if you work in a corporate environment, as I do, but not necess- not not just uh, in corporate environments, but if you work in an environment where you depend on people, it's important to integrate yourself with those people. So there are, there are people like at, at the IT where I work that are into things that I don't care anything about, but I need those people. And I need them to care about me. So I have long and in-depth conversations about cosplay and about, uh, uh, you know, deep level uh, DC superheroes stuff. Um, and I go in and I talk to those people and I seek them out and I ask them questions about Dragon Ball, uh, you know, whatever. Um, because when when my email comes into their queue... It's this is not direct manipulation, it's indirect manipulation. When they're pro- prioritizing their list of work and they go, oh, there's that guy that cares about me, I'll go ahead and take care of him first. So that's just good business. It's also a good way to be a decent human being, and you might learn something. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah
1: team building is important. And if the only reason you know people from work is because you work with them, I mean, if you share nothing that you talk about, man, you're going to hate that job and you're going to be the first one out the door. And even if they don't have a problem, they'll come up with a problem in the company to let go of you and get someone in who they don't feel like, you know, weird around. So it is very important to be able to talk and to converse and use words that other people understand. Um, that's yeah. Great life lesson there, Mark. Yeah.
0: I call that, uh, cultivating my nerd. Uh, I, I literally have that penciled into my daily schedule or at least weekly. I can't always do it daily, but I, I put in nerd cultivation time cause I'm going to need those nerds at some point. Um, and also, it's good to build human relationships in general. So I will get up yep. from my cube, and I will go visit other cubes, and I will carry on conversations about things that don't interest me at all, but the people interest me. There's the thing. And I think that's, um we nerds tend to to um, forget the human element is important. Because let's face it, the reason we're geeks is that we're not, or one of the things that that goes into making us geeks is that we're generally not so good with the people's you know, we're good with the problems. We're good with the softwares. We're good with the, the arts, whatever, but we're not good with the peoples. Um, and so that, those are, that's a skill that you can just like anything else. It's a muscle that you can work and, and fake it until you make it pretend that you care about the topic, um, so that you can, you know, care about the people. Uh, and if you're going to get ahead in, in this world at all, and I, I, I worry about the, um, Again, this I, this old guy talk here, but I do worry about the millennials I see coming into the workplace. Uh, they have forgot, they have never learned that skill, those soft skills of caring about people, um, and they've lived in the world where they've always had the option to just plug their headphones in and stare at their tablet and do their own thing, and so they might be amazing software analysts, but they can't have a conversation with people, and no matter how good your skills are, um, you know, despite what you know tv shows like house would have you to believe uh being really good doesn't keep you your job it really doesn't you can get fired just for being a bad fit just for maybe making people uncomfortable or you could not get hired yeah. right um a, a, a winning smile will get you a job you're not qualified for it's true
1: yep and you know manipulating that wet wear will will keep you a job <laughs> you're not qualified for too so um that's important. You know, there's hardware, there's software and there's wetware and people. It's really hard. You can't really master all three, but if you pick two, one of them needs to be wetware. It's
0: good point. Good point. So let's move on and look at a little bit of news for the week. Um, it, it it's really hard for me to take serious a Saturday night, night live comedian who is now a Senator. Um, and I, I get it, you know, Sonny Bono was an, uh, a singer who then became uh, a, a senator, uh, uh, I can't remember, a I, I, guy who ran uh, on the presidential ticket a while back, was a basketball player turned uh, 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 senator. Uh, I get it that the people have second lives, but Al Franken is never a man I've taken seriously in anything, because his first career was designed around not taking him seriously. And so then he steps in and he gets people to vote for him because he's the name you know, uh, Jeff Jeff Daniels was it Jeff what was it uh, in in distinguished Gentleman. Yeah, Jeff Davis. I can't remember Isn't the guy's that? name, but yeah. yeah, Vote for him. The name, the name, you, name know. you know. Um, and so he he but he convinced enough people to vote for him because he they knew his name, uh, and then he's just been I mean, he's been a joke of a senator. Um, I'm sorry if you if you disagree with me. That's okay, Minnesotans. We can we can disagree on that. Uh,
1: but they had uh, Jesse Ventura has no when yeah Jesse Ventura is governor. Yeah. So
0: Jesse Ventura actually was a was very politically astute. Uh, I I tend right. to agree with him most of the time, and I'm, I'm not just saying this uh, because I disagree politically with Mister Franken. I'm saying this because he comes up with um, really Looney Tunes ideas like. Uh, net neutrality rules for not just ISPs, but also websites so that Facebook should be held accountable for showing the right kind of messages.
1: (sighs) You know, it's one of those things you might not like his idea, but he seems to know what he's talking about rather than just like them. Their websites shouldn't do bad stuff. You know, you, I don't, I don't know what I think about this, honestly. Um, You know, so, okay, this is an article from Ars Technica where Senator Al Franken, a Democrat uh, from Minnesota, he wants the U.S. to impose net neutrality rules, you know, not only on, you know, ISPs who, hey, you can't prioritize traffic or pay more, you know, make everybody second-class citizens except for those who really pay. Um, So he wa- he thinks that there should be rules like that to um for major websites because in a sense they have become a gateway to the internet you know things like google or facebook uh amazon uh back when yahoo used to be a thing before they gave away every account every account (laughs) they ever had um so again i don't know i don't know because at like one thing I despise Facebook and their crappy crapper rhythm that does figures. What's the thing that I think this guy would want based on my limited understanding of him and the stuff they show proves they have a limited understanding of me, but I always, you know, Go back to default. I installed um, uh, Facebook Purity, so that way when I go to Facebook, it automatically shows up in date order, and now they've jacked up with your notifications, and you're trying to group those, and so I opened a trouble ticket on it just, to, <laughs> just because I was mad. <laughs> and of course, you know, they promptly closed it with a nice little robot thing, so, but The one thing about him is he addresses the situation and he knows what he's talking about. So obviously he is pushing an agenda, but he's one of the few. And again, I'm not very politically astute. You know, I don't have like a scorecard of who's who in Congress and the Senate, but he seems to address technological issues. He, um, he had some questions about the iPhone and the store. Um, I don't remember if we covered the story or if it was one of the millions that had been cut from our news, uh, section, but the questions he asked were questions that you have to know something to be able to ask those questions. Now, again, you might think, well, those were stupid questions. He needs to, you know, leave Apple alone because America or whatever, <laughs> but he seems to he at least demonstrates that he knows what he's talking about or he fakes it really well. And so in that puts him in a underwhelming overwhelming minority, if you can use those two words together, of senators who have a technical competency about them. So so my issue with I don't this know, Mark. is yeah,
0: is that in in the you know, I was telling somebody just recently, uh, we were talking about uh, this podcast. I can't remember. I think it was actually on the other podcast I do, the Android App Addicts podcast over on PodNuts, dot com. Check it out. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I was talking about how this show has turned into much more of a political show. Than I ever intended for it to be. I mean, obviously, when we started out as Everyday Linux, we didn't set out to be political. But when we transitioned from Everyday Linux into Geek Grant, I, I wanted it to be—not um, wanted isn't even the right word—I expected it to be more pop culture and and technology centric. Uh, but really, over the last five months or so, we've gone heavily uh, into the political. Um, and and I'm you know that doesn't that doesn't concern me. I'm not bothered by that. I'm not trying to stop it. But it is surprising to me that we've done that. And so here I find myself again on a show called Geek Rant having a, a political discussion. Um, but you know it is what it is. Uh, my issue with. Mr. Senator Franklin, and he—that he, is his title. He deserves it. Uh, I hate it when people call call the president or senator Mister. It demean, demeans them. They have earned that title. But anyway, uh, my my issue with Senator Frank, Franklin Franken and other Democrats in general is that they're all about uh, manipulating everything. Right? Everything is should be the way they should be. It instead of allowing things to be what they are naturally. And so he comes out now, and he's talking about neutrality, and his words say everything should be um, equal, but the only reason he's concerned is because his message and the message he, li- he likes aren't being um, surfaced enough. So while the words are, are words of equality, the, the intent behind them are clear. I think it's very obvious uh, by anybody who's paying any attention that the intent behind it is because he's not seeing his messages, his ideals, the things that he considers appropriate, surface often enough. Therefore, we must make everything equal. Um, but, you know, by imposing ne- neutrality rules, quote unquote neutrality rules, you're actually um, imposing your will on a um, another entity. So you're telling Google, you're telling Facebook, you're telling Amazon um, that they can't uh, customize their feed for for each individual that uh Twitter um cannot highlight at replies over the background noise of the internet that's what that's what senator franken's idea is here if everything is truly neutral twitter is just a great big fat pipe and you get every message um and you get every message in equal priority and so a dm gets thrown in the same uh, cha- uh stream as you know the kardashians And an at reply gets thrown in the same stream as the president's. Um, So if you make, if this becomes the law of the land, so these are the unintended consequences that I'm always on the lookout for. If this becomes the law of the land, customizing content is now illegal. Think about that. Customizing content for your customer is now illegal. Why is Amazon on this list? Amazon is on this list because they take purchases, and not just purchases, but uh, things you've looked at in the past, and they compile those things, and they start suggesting to you things that might be of benefit to you. That is a service to the customer. It's also uh, trying to sell more stuff, right? But you only go to Amazon with the intent to either look at or buy stuff. If you're not interested in buying anything or at least browsing uh, purchasing options, you don't go to Amazon. Amazon. So if Amazon customizes what you see in such a way that it presents you the things you are most likely to buy, that is good for you, the consumer, because you got something you wanted and it's good for Amazon because they made a sale. If Senator Franken, Franken's uh, net neutrality, web neutrality becomes reality. That is now illegal in this country. It is now illegal to serve your customer. This is what bothers me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you're, reading your political bias onto this article. So let's think about Facebook, for instance. And, you know, leading up to and after the last presidential election, uh, there were lots of stories and studies out there that proved the liberal bias of the uh, political trending topics. So, you know, again, I I don't mind, hey, if you're a liberal and you made your money and you, okay, fine. But just, you know, If I want to look at political trending, I should be able to check a box that says I want right wing idiots. I want left wing idiots or just shoot from all sides. Don't you try some algorithm that I have no way of knowing whether is this random content that you claim or is the only reason it's popular is because you're pushing it down people's throats. So. A little bit more openness and the option for me to say, I want the right wing nut jobs, you know, or you know, I want the left wing idiots.
0: You just use the word option, right? Reading reading Franken's um um comments here, reading his own words, option is not in there. There is no option. The law now says you can't filter. Or, or that you must cult, cultivate your own filters. That's really the better way to put it. So now instead of using um, the, the big database that Google has and allowing it to use um, billions of, of bits of data to, to cultivate things for me, I now must cultivate everything for myself. Well, what's the point then? Why do I need Google?
1: Yeah, I know you, but you know this is the same. You you love the Google Kool Aid, and you you accept the imprint, and you know the chip on your brain. And if and I choose not to, to, I can just function. not do it. So, yeah. right. So again, I I don't know. It just it was just an interesting article, and so <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what I think about it because I don't want the government saying because you know when has government oversight ever done well in healthcare? <laughs> You know, um, in technology, look at how they destroyed IBM and then turned around and let software companies do the same, if not worse than what IBM did in hardware. So what you know, what has the government done well, but at the same token, how, how do I just I don't trust. The big I don't trust Google, I don't trust Amazon, I don't trust Facebook, even though you know I use them, I have no way of knowing what they send, you know what what they consider normal is not what I consider normal. And I am so out of step with normal society that all their algorithms do is piss me off. So um, yeah I,
0: you know, and I, my experience with Facebook so yeah, is very similar. I give Facebook. I, Facebook, I give them very little data. Uh, the Really, the only data they can ever collect from me are my connections with people. Um, I have never liked anything on Facebook except my own stuff. I liked the Element Opie page. I liked the Taiwan. That's it. I've never liked anything. That is not a data point they have against me. Um, in the seven or eight years I've been on Facebook, I've shared two dozen things maybe at the most. Uh, that's actually that's a pretty high number. It's probably closer to a dozen. I don't share. Uh, I might copy and paste something, <clears throat> uh, which again th- they could analyze that. But very rarely do I share, and 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 uh, so commenting is essentially all they have for me: connections and comments and my own posts. Um, so my Facebook feed is really pretty useless when it's in the suggested mode. I always turn it on and and put it in uh, most recent mode. But even then, uh, like if I want to see something that my wife posts, I have to go to her page. I have to search for her profile and read her page because Facebook never gives me any of her stuff. Facebook has decided, I guess, that I'm not interested in her because I don't share her stuff. I don't like her stuff. I don't comment on her stuff. So, with them, all the metrics that she has, um, she's not uh, that they have. She's not important to me. So, I get that. Um, you know, your frustration with it being useless, but I also, I, I, it doesn't bother me that Facebook is trying to serve its customers better. And um, and you could talk about again all the ways in which that isn't working. But what I'm kind of laser focused on here is the the potential unintended consequences that come down from from the later. So uh, that's the that's what happens when you try to solve behavior or solve uh, economic situations with laws. You have now essentially made it the law of the land that customization is illegal. And you could say that you're, the intent is actually, the intent is why. Intent doesn't matter when it comes to the law. A thing is either legal or not legal. So now if on my own website... If I do a survey and say, um, over overall, do you guys like that we talk about politics or not? And I get ninety-seven percent of people responding, dump the politics, talk more Linux. At that point, if Al Franken has his way, if I change my content and we never talk politics again, uh, politics again and always talk talk Linux, I have now broken the law.
1: Eh, I I I don't know because you're not you're not, it's not like you're still serving up the content because you're, you're creating what's there. You're not trying to, you know, say, so again, like I say, I, I believe in big company creep the same way I believe in government creep. And so the problem is I look at them both and I see, wow, there's really not a good horse in this race. <laughs> so but again, uh, you sticking
0: know. with the with the uh, Ars Technica article, uh, which I forgot to put in the chat room. I'll do that really quickly for those watching there, um, at elementopi.com slash live. Um, naturally, in in good big government fashion, and and I'm not talking Democrats or Republicans here, they're all just as guilty of this. The the his answer to this is investigations and hearings. We need to bring people to Washington and have them testify before a select committee because government can fix stuff. And and they, these are the things that make me roll my eyes. Um when when you think that a, a hearing in front of 12 senators has ever fixed anything. I defy you. Internet to show me an example of where Senate uh, a Senate hearing has ever solved a problem.
1: In the movie Thank You for Smoking, <laughs> it was a great <laughs> way to, uh, you know, push along the conflict between the senator and the, smoke, the spokesman for big tobacco. So that is the one example I can think of through all history where Senate hearings actually did serve the greater good
0: yeah in a movie
1: very underrated movie by the way
0: (laughs) with uh aaron aaron eckert right yes it was a good movie um it's an awesome movie very cynical you think my views are cynical go watch that movie
1: oh yeah so yeah but so you know yeah i understand but at the same token and here's the thing. I agree with you on this point. Big government isn't going to solve the fact that people are too stupid to care about what they do as long as they have something to, you know, um, mess with their senses right now. Why is Google so big? Because everybody goes to Google and types, what is two plus two? You know, how do I get from Dallas to Fort Worth? What direction does the sun rise in? You know, those are the stupid kind of questions that people ask Google because they don't think. And so Google tracks it. Everybody goes to Facebook. Why? Because some cool person was on it. And, ooh, I want to see that. You know, I mean, I don't use my Twitter account because just the cacophony of crap was too much for me and I had to turn it off. Um, but it's still out there. And I don't know. It probably still gets robot treat- tweets or something sent to it. Um, so, You know, government oversight is not the answer to um, the stupidity of the masses. But articles like this, people paying attention to articles like this is the antidote to the stupidity of the masses. But I don't know how to get people to pay attention to it unless we talk about it on Geek Grant and, you know, further our plans of world domination.
0: Oh uh one of the I'm just reading sorry um there's a great comment here from intellectual thug great dame um and he says in part um, that being a quote dumb pipe content provider isn't feasible if you want to be want there to be content moderation. I hadn't even considered that if you're uh calling out spam uh comments, you're now in violation of franken's law because you're tailoring your audience and you're filtering what people see and what they don't see so those those Viagra pills for 499 each now must have an equal uh, standing on any website no 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 Oh, you just, I'm, I'm for this now because you could use this
1: article to go after those spam bots that bombard our feed and alter well, the content that we would be getting. Well, otherwise. no, see, that's
0: not the thing. Under this law, you have, you can't block them. You have to let them have equal access. So if that spam bot is giving you 32 comments a second versus the real people who give you a comment every 20 minutes, by Franken's law, it's an open web. It's a wild, wild west. Everybody gets equal access.
1: Okay, now you, okay, when I tried to get involved with in politics and I asked, you know, I was like emailing the Maya state representative and I was like, what does this law mean? And they said, we only wrote it. We yeah. don't know what it means. It means whatever the courts decide it means. So we can take this law and we can use it to say that the Viagra pump and spam bots are are disrupting our feed and making it so we can't get a pure unadulterated human contact internet. And we can use this to shut them down in a way the can spam act could only dream of. So this is can spam 2.0 for the social networking world. I'm all for it now. Go out,
0: go. Yeah. Good luck with that. And I'm sure there will be no unintended consequences at all. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next story, which is kind of interesting. Uh, there's a couple of different takes you could have on that. But uh, um, basically, uh, a new audiobook says, you want to hear the book? Get off your fat butt.
1: Yeah, so, okay. I I was so proud of my title in the show notes. Authors take a stab at population control because what this author Intends for you to do the only way to like hear the book is you need to have your phone fully charged and you need to walk around London visiting the sites that this book references. And we all know how smart and responsible people are listening to their phones as they're walking around society. So I think this is a great way to implement population control and weed out the shallow end of the gene pool. Um, but. On the one hand, but I, re- I do think this is a cool story telling device. Um, you know, hey, you go in order. I choose your own adventure book. This could be great. You know, hey, did the guy go to, you know, 221B Downing or, you know, Baxter Street? Or did he go to 1B Downing Street or whatever? And then so which one you go determines which order of the book you read. And that changes the story. But I I think this is this is this has a chance to be really cool. You can't listen to the book unless you go to where the book says. So then, in a way, it would be cool because oh, that's what it looks like. You know, um, I, I I think it's neat an audio book that makes you explore. And this particular one, because this is on irishnews.com, dot uh, com, you have to explore London in order to hear the story the author wrote.
0: Well, to- interesting. To be more specific, this uh, 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 book called The Cartographer's Confession, uh, as I'm just going to read word from word from the irishnews.com article, The Cartographer's Confession tells the story of a young immigrant in post-Second World War London and encourages users to head to areas of London featured in the story to unlock new parts of the tale. Using the GPS built into modern smartphones, the free iOS and Android app that houses the story presents audio recordings, letters, notes, and photographs to readers as they move both literally and figuratively through the story so it sounds to me like you get the story but you get the story plus if you move around it's not quite that you don't get to unlock the story unless you walk over there uh great idea um and especially for a sedentary population it would be a good idea a good way to turn bookworms into to athletes who knows
1: you can combine larping and (laughs) audible.com So, you know, do you save the princess or do you fight the dragon? You know, if you want to save the princess, go to Central Park. If you want to fight the dragon, go to one police plaza or something like that. So I just it's a neat it's a, it's a neat thing. I had never considered it before, but I think it would be pretty cool.
0: There's a, an app that I, I heard about a couple of years ago for um, a, a way to make your regular run a little less dry. It's called Zombies! Exclamation point! Run. Um, and so you put in your your headphones and you start the story and you start to jog and the story uh, again using GPS, using uh, moderate monitoring your pace, whatever tells you there's a zombie right behind you. Run. Um, you know, and so it it you're running from the zombies in the audio uh, of your thing. Uh, As you run through the thing, and it, 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 um, I can't forget the details. It was a while back, but I think you can tell it like what your heart rate should be and that sort of thing. And if you're monitoring that sort of stuff, it'll actually tailor the story to get you the optimal workout while you're running from zombies. Mm -hmm. So it's a neat idea. And, and I love this audiobook, um, idea of taking that. Uh, I would, that would be an awesome way to, um, also lure people into back alleys so that you could mug them. Um, you know, you just, uh, get together with, uh, uh, an artist and you tell them uh, a writer and you tell them you're going to split the, the proceeds of your muggings and just make sure that everybody walks down a dark alley at three o'clock in the morning, or they don't get to hear the story. And then you mug them and take their money and you split it with the author. Um, so it's a win-win.
1: Okay, I thought I would be the one going down that line because you know I'm the I'm the negative person and you're the upbeat one. So how did we end up on opposite sides? <laughs> <laughs> a new
0: story. Just keeping it fresh.
1: No, it's a yeah, great idea. I, you know, yeah, geocaching plus you know audible uh, book listening. Brilliant.
0: I don't think it'll take off. Uh, maybe in London which is more of a walking city. Uh, but you know, certainly it's not going to happen out where you live, Seth, head out into the second cornfield on the right. It's just not going to work.
1: No, but you know, you could like imagine, you know, in major metropolitan areas or, you know, if you wanted to, it would be great for listening to in a car. Maybe, um, you know, travel the South, you know, if, if, if you're going from say Dallas to, you know, Atlanta where major city where I am to where you are and you wanted to hear about whatever, you know, and then coming the other way, you could find some story that has your driving through, you know, and then, Oh wow. You know, and then you take a detour and it, it is a neat way I could, I could see yeah, I wouldn't pay them much, but a, and a geographic area hiring a writer to tailor a story that hit tourist attractions, whether it be, you know, a al- you know, along the interstate in Louisiana or places just off the interstate in Louisiana, you know, backwater, um, you know, can, can you make it out of the swamps alive or something? Maybe not, but I could see hiring an author to tell a tale that be great for college towns, you know, an introduction to your college. This would be a great way for college day for high schools. You know, listen to this book. And and so it goes around and it tells you, you know, you're listening to this story and that you're into and you're getting. And so it ties in that. Oh, man, that was this great science fiction story I listened to in this all. And the next thing you know, everybody want all the geeks want to go to that college. All the lawyers want to go to that college. All the actors want to go to this other college. It has. I don't see it dominating uh, literature, but I see it being a robust category of literature you know you have your science fiction you have your romance you have your teen angst you have your biographical your nonfiction, and then you have your ambulatory fiction
0: so i'm on the ambulant uh uh, ambient literature website ambientlit.com and currently they have two books one is called it must be have been dark by then and the other one is called cartographer's confession uh so um I'm looking here but I, it's, it's new. I don't know if they're both in the UK uh, probably they are uh, but yeah, it's a neat idea. I, I hope it uh, uh, picks up. I just don't know if I'll ever do it. Oh wait this is uh it must have been dark by then Is a book and audio experience that uses a mixture of evocative music narration and field recordings to bring you to stories of changing environment from the swamplands of Louisiana. To the empty and empty Latvian village at the edge of the Tunisian Sahara, um, I hope you don't actually have to walk around all of those places to be able to read the book. Um, interesting idea, though. I, I really hope. Uh, what I what I like about this is it's a novel use of a now ubiquitous technology, um, and right. it's it's not just another selfie cam. Great, great work, ambient literature. Keep up the good work.
1: Yeah. So uh, like I say I I think it's cool and like if I won the lottery I, I would I would hire somebody to come up with an ambient story.
0: Surely you do a little more than that with
1: it. I mean, you know, I mean, no I I would <laughs> that would be yeah one of the things I would do, you know, it wouldn't be like the only thing I wouldn't like try to corner the market, but one of the things I would do is I would hire a writer and, you know, and he would come up with uh, some ambi, maybe I would grant a writer, you know, it would be a grant every year. (laughs) So, you know, the ambient literature grant or writer in residence or something.
0: So there's an interesting listener feedback question. Um, I, I know that when I'm sitting in Atlanta traffic, and I pass by the sign that says the, the lotto uh, jackpots. I will sometimes turn off my audio book and just ponder what I would do with that money. In fact, I almost never buy a ticket. So the odds of me winning the lottery are significantly less than the, than the actual odds, right? They're millions to one against. But me, it's like quadrillions to one against because I almost never buy a ticket. Um, but I do have a plan. And I've worked this out, and, and I understand that I am more uh, prone to planning than the average individual, but I know who I would call, I know who I would hire, I know what steps I would take, uh, and I will tell you for one thing, my wife would, would not be the first to know about it. It would probably be days to weeks before my wife knew about it, uh, because if you win, say, $200 million, um, at that point, your children are longer safe, no longer safe in a public school in the U.S., Um, and I, I think I could keep the secret. I'm pretty good at keeping secrets. I know my wife couldn't. So I would have lawyers and financial people. I would have it all, uh, booked up and, and like, she wouldn't know about it until we were going to the check collection ceremony. Um, but I have a plan. Seth, do you have a plan?
1: I don't have a plan, but I have ideas, I have pondered, you know, on what I would do with money. Yeah. So, it, it's a, in one way, it's a lot simpler for me, because I have no wife and kids. Right. Uh, if I won $200 million, that would
0: probably change very quickly. Yeah, suddenly you would have a um, wife and kids that you didn't remember. Yeah. yeah.
1: So um but yeah no i i have often wondered what i would do and you know i mean hey when it was a billion or something i joined the office pool and stuff like that but it it is not i don't regularly spend money to play the lottery
0: so audience what's your plan are you like me do you have it all worked out uh or you just think i'm gonna to load up on expert uh, xbox games and yahoos and and spend my days uh you know doing whatever i want to do do i'm just curious let's say let's let's think big here's the here's the assignment if you suddenly came into one billion dollars just however it be lottery long lost uncle you know lawsuit whatever invention yeah Uh, whatever you came into one billion u.s dollars lump sum um Depending on where you live, your tax rate may change. You know, you may end up only keeping 40% of that, whatever. Take all that into consideration. What's your plan? Can you write me your plan in one paragraph or less? Let me know. Go to elementop.com. Click the Contact Us button at the top of the page. Fill out that form with your plan. How would you spend a billion dollars? That should be interesting. Hmm. That would be interesting, and if you haven't thought about it, you know, for me, buying a lottery ticket is uh, depending on what you buy. It's either one dollar or two dollars, um, and so I typically buy uh, two of them. I spend three dollars when I buy tickets, um, never more, never less. Three dollars—that's my thing. Um, so for me, that three dollars buys me twenty-four hours of possibilities, and so I get to spend a hundred million dollars. For twenty four hours in my head, so it's it's a it's a bargain. It's it's twenty four hours of entertainment. And see, and
1: here's the thing, Mark. Now that we have discussed it on the show, you can go buy lottery <laughs> tickets and write that off because you were like pondering the experience. Yeah. And so, you know, if if that is if you have a profession where you talk you know and you want to buy lottery tickets so you can discuss what it took to buy the dreams you had and all that i mean i don't i don't see how that would not be a legitimate business expense that's
0: funny um i you know i we've talked about this many times i'm a rule driven person um i need rules in my life i can't i can't guide my my own actions Unless I have decided ahead of time what I'm going to do, I'm too unpredictable. My brain is too uh, prone to flights of fancy. So one of my rules is, and, and you know, it's not my rule. Uh, at least in in the United States, you can only spend cash on uh, lottery tickets. You can't use a debit card or credit card. So uh, one of my rules is, I will only buy a lottery ticket if I have cash already. I'm not going to go to the ATM specifically. To get lottery tickets, so um, that cuts down. I almost never carry cash. Two, I will not make a special stop for a lottery ticket, so I have to already be buying gas. I have fudged that rule from time to time and gone. I sure would like a soda pop and a bag of chips. Let me go in here, and it just so happens that the lottery is three hundred million today. Um, <laughs> I have fudged that a couple of times, um, but those those two rules right there only cash I already have and only uh, if I'm already stopping at a place, uh, pretty much make sure I very rarely buy lottery tickets Uh, because I could easily get sucked into throwing 300 bucks a month at lottery tickets and chalking it up to, you know, an investment. I'm I'm the kind of guy who could rationalize it. I am a world-class rationalizer and I could find a way to make that happen. So I just put those rules in place, which means I almost never buy a ticket. So when I win, it will truly be God's will for my life. It's, the odds will be so long against it. There's no other way you could say that it was anything else.
1: Yep. I mean, I know some great lottery jokes, but they, they're too long. So,
0: <laughs>
1: not, not for podcasts.
0: Mark Twain said a lottery is a tax on people who are bad at math. That's Mark Twain. It's been around for a long time. So, now, Seth, what happened this week in history? All right, Mark.
1: So I wanted to let you know this week that on November the 9th, 2004, in a full page ad in the New York Times, the Mozilla Project announced the release of Firefox 1.0, sometimes abbreviated as FF, um not often, (laughs) Firefox was Mozilla's next generation browser that included such features as tabbed, browsing and pop-up blocking. Mozilla Firefox became a popular alternative for Microsoft Internet Explorer users who saw alternatives that could prevent spyware as well as a host of other Firefox features. Firefox is significant in Internet history because it represented the first serious alternative to the dominance by Microsoft's Internet Explorer in several years. By many estimates, Internet Explorer had risen to over 90% of the Browser market share since the downfall of Netscape many years earlier. And by many estimates, they mean all estimates. I don't know (laughs) of anybody who ever said the 90s is low. It is interesting to note, however, that it was Netscape itself that started the Mozilla project when it released the source code to their Netscape communicator software in 1998. It was upon this code base that the foundations of Firefox was laid. Firefox's original name was Phoenix, seemingly in tribute to the fact that out of the ashes of the falling Netscape came a new browser. And that happened this week in history, Mark. And now back to you.
0: So uh, 13 years ago, Firefox was born. It's a teenager today. And it is undergoing teenage angst and is rapidly trying to drive away everybody who loves and cares about it. Um I I I have been I was a Phoenix user long before there was a Firefox. I was using the Phoenix browser because it was such a a fresh new look at at everything, tabs. Microsoft didn't get a hold of tabs for like 4 years. Um and, and and Firefox was just innovative and amazing, and now it is stagnant and bloated and difficult to run on three of my four primary computing devices to the point where it's just I don't use it very rarely. It went from being my primary to my every now and then when Chrome won't work, and that, that makes me sad.
1: Uh I'm sorry to make you sad Mark. But you know here here is the thing. If for no other reason than and even if you're a Microsoft fanboy you have to love Firefox because it made Microsoft realize oh crap We better actually try to develop a browser because, you know, they were late to the browser wars and their product was far inferior to Netscape, but they abused their manipulative power and just simply gave it away. Um, And so, you know, Netscape couldn't afford to give its product away because that was its business was internet web browsers. Um, So the fact that there was an alternative out there made Microsoft invest and web browsers. And then, you know, of course, along came Opera and, I mean, Safari. Uh, you know, and then there's, there's Chrome and all these others. But even if you're a Microsoft fanboy, you have to appreciate Firefox for forcing Microsoft to care about the browser.
0: Gather around They never days. cared well, but... Gather around the fire, and let me tell you a story about days of yore. There was a time when you would go to the bookstore or the the computer store and you would buy a shrink-wrapped copy of Netscape Navigator for
1: 39.95. It was more like 79.95 when it first right. released.
0: And you would take these shrink-wrapped three floppy disks. Yeah, well, they weren't floppy, don't ask kids. Um, you would take these three non-floppy floppy disks and you would take them home and it would say insert disk 1 of 3 and then Confusingly, it would say insert disk three of three. Then it'd say insert disk one of three. And then you would do the install, and you would have access to the internet. But before you could get on the internet, you had to first drive to Best Buy. This was a thing. Um, And so Microsoft was really cutting edge in bundling Internet Explorer with the OS. So they were competing with Netscape, um, and the mosaic foundation which later became the mozilla foundation or uh, not really that's that's mosaic and mozilla grew up together but anyway uh the the point is um microsoft with windows 95 was this thing where you now have a computer with internet built in it's right there and this was this was the the heart of the um anti um monopoly lawsuits that ran for decades long after Microsoft Microsoft stopped being relevant in the browser market they were still arguing in court over whether or not they were allowed to bundle a browser with the OS and now it's just considered uh, I mean you would you would not even conceive of buying a a computer that didn't have a browser on it you would not conceive of downloading an OS that couldn't immediately get on the internet but Microsoft was the first to do it Um, and it was a big deal a really, amazingly, hugely big deal, and it was all because uh, they were getting the um, getting uh, beat in the market by Netscape. Now, think about this: I never, I still today, don't understand it all these years later. When you are selling your product, Internet Explorer, and your competitor is selling their product, Netscape Navigator, and Netscape's Navigator is outselling you. How is it a good business move to suddenly stop selling your product and start giving it away? I never understood why anybody cared. They're not making any money out of it. Nobody went and bought Windows 95 because it had Internet Explorer in it. I still to this day don't understand what all the argument – why does anybody want browser market share? There's no money in it.
1: Well, there used used to be money until Microsoft killed it, but you get the metrics – for it, like um, you know, I was listening to a TED talk um, back when I listened to Ted, um, and he was talking um, this guy was using um, he was it was something about diseases and web searches, and you know they were something about. Symptoms of- or a drug combinations, and so you know, and this guy happened to be talking, and this guy said Hey, uh i 'm like the chief officer of Bing. Would you be interested in our results and he was like uh not uh, i don't know why would you ask? He says, Oh, by the way, to let you know that also includes everything off of the website and everything off of any Windows computer because you know Bing was integrated, so all of a sudden the crappy portal that no one uses is a treasure trove of data because it also is the browser searches that are used to do it as well. So you get tons of metrics on the person that you can then turn around and package and use to sell your advertising space. Um, So yay. And it's one of those things. If I can deny my competitor from having this information, it means that I have to put less effort into developing my product I, I guess so if 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 my competitor wants it then I need it is you know that's the axiom yeah. of
0: business I guess I mean the metrics came later so I get that that's that's money now but I still I know somebody somebody who understands business better than I am I do will have to explain that to me uh maybe you the listener can Be the one to explain that to me by going to con- elementop.com and clicking the contact us button or by going to uh, uh dialing 559 I am on your mobile telephone, uh, t- telephonic device. It could be your home phone, I guess, if that's still a thing. <laughs> um, leave us a voicemail, let us know what you think. There, um, we will again in two weeks be doing an all listener feedback show, so get that stuff in now and stand up and be heard. Uh, but for now, Seth. What do you have to lower my productivity? thus making you seem like a better hiring option.
1: All right. We haven't done this in a while, but I wanted to bring bacon back to geek rant. So if you go to bacon com, it has sound and it is just, it makes me I long for the good old days, bacon com. Um, BaconSizzling.com. Go there and experience the glory. The bigger monitor you have, the better this website is. I would not recommend it on a, a handheld device. But hook up, you know, um, get a get a Raspberry Pi, hook it up to your 85-inch TV in your living room, uh, and go to BaconSizzling.com. Or just Chromecast It's great.
0: Yeah, you, you really want this in 5.1 surround sound. Um, I think so. Where is smell a vision when we need it?
1: Yeah, and uh, I you want it in four K too, you know. 1080 <laughs> p won't do this justice.
0: All right, folks, that's it. We're we're coming in just over an hour, which these days is almost a mini show. Um, but Miles wasn't here to add his uh one third of the content so you know an hour thirty minutes f- a person that's right yeah. 30 minutes a person if miles had been here it'd been 90 minutes we'd be right on target miles we miss miss you we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks need to make sure i send him an email in time I can't, I can't be here next week um and uh that's it so we'll see you later seth thanks so much for coming and hanging out and for uh doing all your diligent research and bringing us low these two news stories this week uh At the beginning of the show, Seth said uh, something like, I hope that's enough. I said, two new stories and the two of us, that's all we need. And it turns out, that's all we needed. Yep. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later. And remember, pay for what you like.